This episode is brought to you in part by Regent College, Vancouver, Canada. Experience God's call to a life more abundant with our one to two week summer courses. Sign up today at rgnt.net slash summer. Hello, listeners, and welcome to the February bonus episode of Seeing and Believing. We took a month off there because it was right after the Christmas holidays, and January is the objectively worst month of the year, so (laughs) there was no January bonus episode. No January bonus episode, but we are back. February is going to be a better month, mostly because we have a bonus episode and also because we just get to talk about movies a little bit more, so I'm looking forward to this. Kevin, what do we have on the docket for this month's bonus episode? So we are are going to be looking ahead uh, in the spirit of optimism to (laughs) the year in front of us, 2023. There's some pretty good movies coming out, Uh, you know, some some all right ones. A little director called Martin Scorsese is coming out with a, a new movie. Seems like it could be nice. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> Looking forward to Killers of the Flower Moon. I feel like that's kind of a given for both of us. So that's one that's definitely bears mentioning at the very least. Yeah. So w- w- I figured we would just get that out of the way right at the top. We are going to be talking about some of our most anticipated films of the next year. Some of the ones that we're going to be talking about don't have formal release dates locked in yet, but it's likely that they are going to see some sort of theatrical and or streaming release at some point during the next calendar year. Mm -hmm. And we're looking forward to them a lot. So we'll call this, in the spirit of film spotting, the Killers of the Flower Moon memorial list. (laughs) Um, And just talk about kind of the movies that we're most looking forward to in the next year. So before we jump into your first pick, Sarah, I'm curious, was there there anything you noticed as you were kind of pouring through the list of upcoming releases that you were just, you found yourself really looking forward to a certain kind of movie or or anything like that? Um, I don't think I noticed any commonalities between any of these. Um, I have had my eye on the Sundance Film Festival, which just wrapped up really recently. So I think a lot of the movies that I have been anticipating a little bit more have been kind of coming out of that, or at the very least, there have been some additional titles that have been brought to my attention mostly on the quieter drama side of things. But I don't know, like, I'm looking forward to all kinds of movies. And I'm trying to keep it sort of genre agnostic. I'm also not trying to predict what these movies are necessarily going to look like or be like. I just think that their premises sound really interesting, or the people who are making them sound really interesting. And I I like to see the movies that they make. So it's just all, I don't know, it, it feels... I am also feeling kind of optimistic at this point in time, and I'm feeling optimistic about potentially hopefully getting to see some like really good big spectacles on the big screen and then also seeing some good quiet insular dramas. I feel like I have two speeds when it comes to movies, (laughs) and one is rip-roaring action and the other is very introspective and Hopefully we'll get at least one of each of those over the course of the coming year. Fingers crossed. I mean, there's some pretty big time spectacles lined up for 2023. So that sounds like you're you're queuing yourself up for one of your picks potentially. Maybe, maybe not. I can neither confirm nor deny until we get to that point. I will say that... I the the bulk of my short list before I settled on the the ones I'm going to be talking about on the air 
today. Uh, the bulk of my shortlist were actually the really small movies. A lot of them were uh, films that uh, I've I've heard about through Sundance coverage that I'm really looking forward to. I eventually kind of left those, you know, in the honorable mentions, mostly just because they don't have hard and fast release dates, and mm -hmm. so they might not be 2023 releases. They might end up in 2024. Who knows? But there is one exceedingly spectacle heavy movie <laughs> in my list that. I'm interested to see where it goes. We'll just say that. Yeah, definitely fair. So uh, let, let's kick off with your first pick, though, Sarah. Which, what's one of the films that you're looking forward to for 2023? So um, this one actually is one that premiered at Sundance, and it seemed like it made some waves. People really appeared to like it. It does already have a release date, so we're going to squeeze past that Sundance potential roadblock. Um, and this movie is called Polite Society, which is written and directed by Nita Manzur. It's about a young woman who believes that she must save her older sister from her impending marriage. The young woman in question is an aspiring stunt woman, and her older sister is very supportive of the career that she wants to pursue. But all of a sudden, her older sister meets a man and decides that she's going to marry him and move away to Singapore. And the younger sister is having none of this and wants to engage in some sort of heist shenanigans in order to break up the wedding. It's a comedy. Looks like a lot of fun. I'm here for stunt work and I'm here for interfamily drama. So it seems like one that, I don't know, I'm at the very least, it's one that I'm intrigued by. And it comes out at the end of April, April 28th of this year. Yeah. You know, I was, I've seen a trailer for the, for the film. I think it was playing in front of Avatar actually, <laughs> uh, or uh, I don't. I don't remember now. I, I've seen the trailer. I was a little bit skeptical of it based on what I saw in the trailer, but then I read a description of it that name checked Scott Pilgrim versus the World, mm. and that may, might have brought me around a little bit. I'm I'm interested in any any sort of film like this that is obviously very original that maybe is in the spirit of an Edgar Wright film. I I could come around on something like that. So. Pretty curious about it. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. Um, what is your first pick? So uh, my first pick is is a big movie, though not the the big spectacle movie maybe that we were talking about earlier, um, and it's one that's probably familiar to all of our listeners. It is Christopher Nolan's Oppenheimer coming mm -hmm. out on July twenty first. I mean, there's a lot about that that is going to sort of sell itself. It's it's Christopher Nolan. I you know. I like him a lot. Uh, I really like Killian Murphy as as an actor. Mm -hmm. I any movie that I get to see him in, I'm at least kind of interested in, and I love his collaborations with Nolan. And the subject matter itself is is of r real interest to me. And I'm going to say, you know, part of it is because it was filmed in a lot of it was filmed in my hometown. Mm -hmm. uh, I grew up in Los Alamos, the birthplace of the atomic bomb. Oppenheimer is, of course, about J. Robert Oppenheimer, uh, one of the minds behind the uh, the nuclear age, so to speak. Um, and of course, the the first, one of the first nuclear tests, he made that famous reference to the Bhagavad Gita, I become death, destroyer of worlds. Um, so it's uh, su a subject matter that I'm really interested in. We just finished recording an episode about the apocalypse. Mm -hmm. <laughs> so, you know, this is kind of about entering a new age where apocalypse was something that 
uh, was a very real concern. Um, and I'm just, I'm really interested to see uh, how my hometown looks on the big screen in a Christopher Nolan production. Yeah, Through Nolan's Eyes is something that I'm really curious about. This is also a movie that I'm anticipating as well. Um, what are you kind of hoping for from Christopher Nolan for this movie? So the thing that about Nolan that um, a lot of people give him grief for is that he's a very cold director, right? Like he's, he's a director who's kind of got a reputation for being obsessed with process, obsessed with like the, the spinning gears of plot and not really interested in his characters as people so much. Um, and I'm actually really interested to see, and, and I don't think that's an entirely fair uh, accusation to level against him. I think there's some merit to it. Um, uh, but taking that on its own merits, I am kind of interested to see him bring that sensibility to the story of a man who was at first the architect of the American uh, nuclear weapons project and then uh, kind of came to have a much more jaded eye on it. I'm interested to see Nolan bring that sensibility to it, partially because it'll leave out a lot of I, I wonder if it's going to leave out a lot of kind of the the tendency to really heighten the rhetoric around uh nuclear the nuclear age hmm. and really see it as kind of probably the way a lot of the people involved in the Manhattan Project originally saw it, which was just a problem to be solved, how do we make this thing hmm. and how is it going to be used? Hmm. Um, that kind of rationalistic mindset seems like it would dovetail really nicely with Nolan's own sensibilities. So I think it's a interesting pairing of director and subject matter. Hmm. Yeah. Sold even more. I mean, I was already sold, but sold even more. <laughs> uh, what do you got in your uh, number two slot here? So the second movie I picked is one that's actually going to be released the exact same day as Oppenheimer. Uh -huh. So July 21st, uh -huh. 2023. <laughs> um, listeners, you will have the choice between Christopher Nolan's Oppenheimer and Greta Gerwig's Barbie. <laughs> I'm as surprised as you are to hear myself say those words out loud. I wasn't really much of a Barbie's kid growing up. Um, I think it's really easy to scoff at movies that are about existing IP, especially when they're movies that are based on a board game or a toy or something else. But if we must live in a world where movies are made exclusively out of IP with the intent to sell additional toys, which I'm assuming is part of Hasbro's like willingness to sign off on this project to begin with. I mean, we might as well have them when they're directed by Greta Gerwig and co-written by Noah Baumbach. Like that that kind of astounds me a little bit. I'm I'm surprised that a project like this gets off on the ground. And I'm really looking forward to this partly because I like that combination of maybe non-intuitive subject matter and a really good director. I'm also really into the level of playfulness that I've seen just around the production and marketing for this movie to begin with. So listeners, if you haven't seen the trailer for Barbie, there is a teaser trailer that is a shot-for-shot -shot remake of the opening of 2001 A Space Odyssey, but it's about Barbies. And it is played completely straight. Greta Gerwig knows what she's doing in terms of film history, and she's being very playful with it, which I appreciate very much. Um, this is also a movie that stars Ryan Gosling and Margot Robbie, two performers that I like very much. And when they're 
fear in, when they are in comedy mode, I'm usually on board with the choices that they're making. So I'm hoping for more comedy from Ryan Gosling in particular, and I'm really hoping for existential depths from Greta Gerwig and Margot Robbie. I mean, I so I'm really curious <laughs> about this film. Like existential depths is maybe not like I don't. That might be more. Uh, don't knock it. Don't that knock might it be more meaning it. than it, this movie can support. That said, um, looking looking at what we've seen of it so far, it kind of reminds me of a live action Lego movie, mm-hmm. and that is a very intriguing thought experiment. To like, what would that look like? The production design that we've seen is just so eye searingly unique mm-hmm. that. I, I I really I'm so curious about. It. I don't know if it's going to be any good, but I'm very curious to see just what exactly Gerwig and Bombach have come up with for this project. So July 21st is going to be our personal Super Bowl, probably. Uh huh. And I think that week for seeing and believing, we should just cover both of those movies. Yeah, we're, we're... no watch list, just a double feature. I mean, we have to, right? Like, we must. The, the entire internet is is already salivating over that head-to-head matchup. There's no way we couldn't you know, get involved in that somehow. I'm pretty excited for it. <laughs> <laughs> so, Kevin, besides Barbie and besides, you know, um, head-to-head combinations of, you know, the atom bomb and dolls, yeah. what's your next pick? What okay. else are you anticipating? Okay, well, I'm going to go uh, much, much smaller here. So, um, I'm... I'm very much looking forward to whenever there's a new movie from uh, the Darden brothers, mm. I'm interested in it. The Darden brothers are um, some of the great, greatest filmmakers in world cinema working today, I would argue. Mm-hmm. Um, and I think that, so obviously you always have to look forward to something that they're they're putting out. I'm very interested in their new film, Tori and Lokita. This is a film that doesn't have an announced release date yet, but it was picked up by a distributor last year. So I'm assuming that it will come out sometime in 2023 because you don't just acquire the rights to distribute a Darden Brothers movie and then just let it sit on a shelf. One would hope. Mm-hmm. Um, this is a, a film that is also... Um, from the reviews that I've read about it, um, make it sound like it's one of their most pointed bits of social commentary. I mean, the, the Darden mm-hmm. brothers are really well known for kind of having this, this low to the ground naturalistic style that, um, kind of just looks at ordinary people, um, caught up in, in small scale dramas for the most part. This one is focused in on uh, two young women uh, who are of uh, African descent who find themselves kind of caught up in uh, some pretty difficult conditions in Belgium. Mm. So it's kind of an an immigration story. It's a story about race, obviously. Um, And it's – the reviews have made it sound like it's their most angry film. Mm. And I'm very curious to see – a dar I, I I want to see the Dardens mad. Yeah. I want to know what makes them mad. What the their films have always been had a very strong like sense of of justice and right in in them, but I've not really seen them bring that sensibility to a point where there's 
a sense of outrage mm -hmm. underlying it, like very pointed outrage. Mm -hmm. And whether or not Tori and Lokita lives up to that reputation or whether that's just sort of, you know, what I've gathered from the reviews remains to be seen, but they're great directors. It's an interesting premise and I'm going to go see it whenever it comes out. Yeah, absolutely. Um, yeah, when I think of the Dardens, I think of humane storytelling, mm. very grounded storytelling, very like realist sort of storytelling. And so to hear um, this movie be described as one that is a little bit more angry, I don't know. They have a very strong moral compass. And so I, I understand if that moral compass is something that ends up coming out across like much more strongly than like or, or more fervently, I suppose, than some of their previous movies. Um, yeah, I, I mean, I haven't heard very much about this movie because I just haven't been quite as tapped into the Dardenne's filmmaking as I would like. So, um, I want to catch up with their cinema a little bit more and this feels like a really good place to start. So I, I hope that it comes out sooner rather than later. Um, definitely like, I don't know, release the Dardenne's let's, let's, <laughs> let's see them mad. <laughs> let's see them mad. Well, uh, and you know, maybe we can, uh, bring in a, a Dardenne double feature with the watch list segment for whenever that comes out. Yeah, absolutely. I've seen two days, one night, and I think that's the only one of theirs that I've seen. Oh, we're so. going to make you watch the kid with the bike. Excellent. Darn, I bet you're just really you know cursing your luck right now i know <laughs> such a terrible fate being forced to watch really ridiculously good movies <laughs> when you need mealtime inspiration it's worth shopping kroger where you'll find over thirty thousand mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie and no matter what tasty choice you make you'll enjoy our everyday low prices plus extra ways to save like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Uh, so uh, what do you have for your next uh, film that you're looking forward to? So this one is a Dracula adaptation. It's probably not the Dracula adaptation that's on everybody's minds necessarily. So there are two movies based on Dracula coming out in 2023. So the first is a movie called Renfield, which you may have heard of. It's an adaptation of Dracula in which Nicolas Cage is playing the Count. Which is just inspired casting i love that casting it's inspired casting it's doubly inspired because nicholas holt is playing renfield his familiar that being said that's not the dracula adaptation that i'm actually interested in this year the other one is called last voyage of the demeter it is based on a single chapter from bran stoker's dracula book um and it's the chapter in which the journey of a ship carrying Dracula's coffins is making its way to England. And the captain is recording the fact that the crew are being picked off one by one and they don't know why. Everybody just keeps disappearing. Everybody's frightened. This kind of sounds like um, Alien in Victorian times with a vampire <laughs> instead of a xenomorph. Which is just catnip for you. It definitely <laughs> is. And I'm here for like really oblique adaptations of stories that kind of take something that's been skipped over by a lot of other adaptations like the the last voyage of the demeter chapter is one that usually just gets completely skipped whenever you're adapting dracula it just doesn't show up most people i think tend to treat it as just not as interesting because 
it's a side character who's giving you a, a bit of additional information about a situation or a little bit of a, additional color. But once he disappears, he doesn't really figure into the story all that much anymore. And I'm interested in this version of this retelling of this story, specifically because it kind of seems like it's interested in the characters that are on the margins, who might have a slightly different viewpoint on the character of Dracula and on the idea of vampirism from the characters that we all know, like Van Helsing and Mina. Um, we've heard their stories over and over again, but this feels like this is some potentially really rich material that we just haven't been able to mine yet. And I'm pretty excited to see Dracula at sea. <laughs> Picking off the crew. <laughs> One of the nice things about having you as a co-host, Sarah, is because uh, you are, are really tapped into a very specific niche <laughs> of of genre storytelling, and putting them on my radar is is something that I really appreciate. I had not heard uh, anything about Last Voyage of the Demeter until you mentioned it, and then when I actually read up on it a little bit, I thought. That is a great premise it's for a, a movie. Premise. It's it's a wonderful premise, and even though I'm like I'm not the biggest fan of Bram Stoker's Dracula, I'm not sure how many uh, listeners I'm alienating right now by saying that I'm kind of like, eh, on on the novel as a whole. Mm -hmm. I'm very interested to see that portion of the novel sort of expanded on um, because it's one of the low, the low key creepier parts of it and i'm i'm interested to see that kind of taken and put up on the screen and i mean your description of it as alien in victorian times with a vampire instead that kind of would sell me on on it regardless i really hope that that is actually the pitch that's going on because i don't know too much other than just the basic premise of that chapter but my mind is and my imagination are racing and i kind of hope that the movie is able to live up to exceed maybe thwart some of those expectations because the last thing that i want in a dracula adaptation is to see precisely what i expect to see which is what you tend to get with all of these other much more straight versions of the story so I have a very good idea of what I want from this movie. I'm kind of hoping that I get something completely unexpected, but that is ultimately much more satisfying than anything else that I could have come up with. Well, when is a major Hollywood studio going to hire you as a script doctor for its next <laughs> vampire project is is what I want to know. <laughs> I'm, I'm open and available, Hollywood. Please hire me for all of your writing projects. Hollywood, uh, you can reach us at Seeing and Believe. <laughs> No, I'm not going to go through that spiel right here at this moment. <laughs> there is a spiel that I would like to hear you make, and that is for the next movie that you have on your most anticipated list. Okay, so I fully recognize that the movie I'm about to talk about is maybe not going to be on anybody's top 10 of the year lists come, you know, December of 2023. Challenge accepted. <laughs> but... <laughs> It does hit a lot of the uh, the buttons that kind of perk up my interest in the film. So I'm looking forward to the film 65. This is a science fiction thriller directed, written and directed by Scott Beck and Brian Woods, probably best known for being the screenwriters of A Quiet Place. So there's some pedigree there. Um, this The basic premise of the story is Adam Driver plays a pilot who uh, an interstellar pilot who unexpectedly finds himself 
on a prehistoric Earth and has to make his way across the planet while dodging dinosaurs and other dangerous prehistoric creatures. I love dinosaurs. I love time travel. I love Adam Driver. The movie might be kind of dumb, but I'm very, very interested in seeing what it, what it does with all those things. I was so happy to see this movie on your list because I saw I did see the trailer for this movie and I knew from the get-go, the moment the dinosaur first showed up, I was sold. I want this movie in my eyeballs immediately. I don't care how dumb it is. Honestly, the dumber it is, the better it is because big spectacle. Sometimes you just got to fight a dinosaur. Not every movie has to be a five course meal. Sometimes it's just got to be, you know, dinosaurs and Adam Driver. And I'm really, I, I, I like Adam Driver in blockbuster mode. It's been a while since we've had him in a Star Wars movie. So, you know, mm -hmm. we're due. And, you know, even though this is not going to be quote unquote, you know, art house cinema <laughs> per se, I am looking forward to seeing kind of a, a, a silly, you know, genre picture potboiler kind of film that isn't based on a pre-existing IP that's highly marketable. Mm -hmm. I really want to see something that's ridiculous, but ridiculous in an original way. So we'll see if I am bitterly disappointed or not, but that's my story and I'm sticking to it. I will be in the theater opening day for this movie. I am already in the bag. I am sold We'll see if it's any good. Again, like it could be terrible, but at the very least, I'm overjoyed by the premise. I mean, that premise does bring me a lot of joy <laughs> for sure. Uh, 65, it, it, it's a uh, release day is March 10th. So uh, it's in the near future. It's the closest one to the recording of this episode. So not too long to wait. Coming soon to a theater near you. So before we uh, sign off for this bonus episode, Sarah, were there any other films that you were really wanting to to include on your list, but you, you know just ended up in your honorable mention slots? So you did mention Killers of the Flower Moon. Um, I read the book in anticipation for that movie coming out at the end of last year, and then it got bumped back, which gave me some additional time to finish the book. I appreciated that very much. Really interested in seeing what... Scorsese is going to do with that subject matter and that material. Um, speaking of, of franchise filmmaking, if we must have superhero movies, we got to have Spider-Man Across the Spider-Verse. I love Into the Spider-Verse very, very much, and I'm excited to see these characters on screen again. I hope that the sequel is able to live up to the promise of the original movie. Um, kind of probably would have preferred it if the original movie had just been a special perfect standalone but if we're going to get a sequel to any superhero movie it might as well be that one um and then another one that i'm looking forward to is you know this little movie that you may have heard of called dune 2 <laughs> which comes out in november and will hopefully give a satisfactory conclusion to the original dune which came out two years ago i mean if we're talking about spectacle that that film had it in spades the 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 first film i mean mm -hmm. and i'm really i don't i'm skeptical that it's going to be fully satisfying um just mostly just because the source material is just such a mammoth piece of work it just seems like it would be hard to do it justice mm -hmm. but it was really great spectacle 
when I first saw it, and I'm looking forward to Dune 2 giving us some uh, some more of the same. Is Dune 2 on your honorable mentions list, or do you have any other picks? I, I had it on my short list. I also had Spider-Man Across the Spider-Verse on my short list. I'm really interested in a film that was at Sundance called Flora and Son. This is directed by John Carney of the film Once fame. Mm-hmm. I, I really like Once. It's probably one of my favorite cinematic musicals, if I'm being honest. Mm. And the cast here, it, it stars Eve Hewson as a as a young woman who strikes up a relationship with, as the official synopsis puts it, a hunky guitar tutor played by <laughs> Joseph Gordon-Levitt. I really like Joseph Gordon-Levitt. He doesn't act as much anymore as he used to, which is a shame because I thought, I think he's a really wonderful actor and I'm looking forward to seeing what a collaboration between him and John Carney looks like. And I'm also looking forward to another uh, Sundance uh, pick that got a lot of good buzz. It's called A Little Prayer. It's directed by Angus McLaughlin, stars David Strathairn as a man who's trying to protect his daughter-in-law when he discovers that his son has been cheating on her with another woman. Mm-hmm. Um, it's just gotten so much praise. I love David Strathairn mm-hmm. as an actor. I think he's got such depth and he's another actor that I would just love to see work more often. Mm-hmm. And I'm just, you know, we we just finished recording an episode where we talked about Take Shelter and how Take Shelter's prioritization of family relationships is really what makes it such a transfixing piece of work. Mm-hmm. And it sounds like a little prayer might have a similar kind of uh, portrait of of a domestic unit. And I don't know, it just seems really interesting to me. Yeah, that was one that first hit my radar after Sundance as well. Um, I love David Strathairn. I, I would love to see him in more leading roles. I feel like he's usually a supporting actor and he's very mm-hmm. good at what he does. Um, I'm pretty excited to see him in the lead, and I'm really interested in this movie as well. Yeah. Well, uh, that'll do it, I guess, though, for uh, this month's bonus episode. Uh, Any listeners out there who have some other 2023 releases that we haven't mentioned, perhaps, that you're really interested in yourself, let us know on Twitter at cbelievepod or over email at seeingandbelievingcapc at gmail.com, like sound off about the 2023 releases that are on your you must see list. Are are they more in the 65 vein? Are they more in the flora and sun vein? There's lots of stuff coming out this year. So we're really looking forward to hearing from you. Yep. And if you're a Patreon supporter, you may even be able to tell us which movies that uh-huh. you want us to cover. So if you're at the $10 a month level, you have the opportunity, you have the power to be able to pick a single movie for us to review every single year. So if you want us to review anything that's really just, you know, you, you have this movie and it's burning a hole in your brain and you want to make sure that we cover it, you can tell us to do that if you support us over on Patreon at it's- seeing underscore believing underscore pod. It's one of the uh, the perks, the, the Patreon perks that I most enjoy fulfilling. Just, I, I really like it. So the more $10 a month uh, pledges we have, that you know helps us out a lot for obvious reasons, but also makes it a lot of fun to fulfill those those movie dictator requests. <laughs> like it's it's really great. So definitely take Sarah's advice as well. But that'll do it for our February bonus episode. Listeners, thanks so much for listening and keep watching movies, keep talking about them, and we'll see you next month. 
You have been listening to Seeing and Believing, an official production of the Christ and Pop Culture Podcast Network. Please rate and review the show in iTunes and check out our other shows at christandpopculture.com slash network. Theme music by Alexander Osborne and Lindsay Miz, used under Creative Commons License 3.0. This episode was brought to you in part by The Compelled Podcast, which uses gripping, immersive storytelling to bring Christian testimonies to life. Listen to missionaries, addicts, martyrs, and more who have seen Jesus at work in unbelievable ways. Listen on your podcast app or compelledpodcast.com.